So welcome everybody to the Soul Activation Series. We are so excited. I'm so excited to be here with my um, co-facilitator, uh, I like to call her Ty Davis, and uh, our special guest today, Tara Gay. And we're going to hear a little bit about her in just a moment. But, um, you know, the reason we started this podcast is to, um, for us, find a way to really activate and empower and inspire uh, the, our souls, right, to really allow us to um, step into who we really feel called to be in this world. And by doing that, um, dismantle the systems that we see in place. And we have a passion um, for Black people and Indigenous people and other people of color, and everyone is invited to this conversation, um, even those um, who are different view <laughs> and who come in. And so today is really special because we have Tara Gay, who's one of my colleagues that I met this year, it's such a blessing to have met her uh, through our role as a part of the design team at Civil Dinners. Uh, and just to be able to meet another black woman who is um, so passionate about equity and so um, knowledgeable and experienced in this area uh, and um, being able to learn about her. So we're, it's, it's really exciting to have her with us today. And what we want to do today is really start a conversation, Tara, if you can first just give us a little information about who you are um, and just share with us, you know, introduce yourself. And then if you could just share with our um, listeners, um, the like when you think about all the different ways that could activate your own inner knowing and your deepest calling, um, like what is the one way? that can give us the deepest, most clearest access to activating that. Because um, I know for I know for many of us, especially as a black woman, w when I started this journey, I found that very difficult too, right? I didn't know how to get there the, the fastest way. I got there <laughs> eventually, but um, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me today. Um, it has been certainly a blessing uh, on my behalf to have met both you and Ty through this process of equitable dinners and other things that we have had an opportunity to participate in and with each other. Um, I would say by way of introduction first, because um, I think that was the first thing you asked me. Um, first, uh, I am learning to continue to remember to uh, say that I'm also a children's author. So I'm children's author who writes under the pen name of both my nephew's names, Jordan Trent. I have been blessed to have three books out now and they are again, even about this space of equity as well because what I found to be true when I was a um, tutor for a number of years uh, and in, in the space of reading and literacy is that we had a number of books that my my 2T um, would want to read and very often they did not include images of her. And so when I started thinking about writing children's stories, it was to be able to include the voice of children and families that look like the one that I came from. And so I was very intentional about including fathers in my stories, very intentional about including the extensions of families and how we extend and become families. And so my latest book, uh, So You Say God Sent You, is really about the relationship of God children to their godparents, uh, and then how that spawns another generational way that they connect with people who may not be of their bloodline, but can certainly be of their community and their families. Um, and so um, 
that is one part of what I do. But in terms of what I do related to equity, I'm also a director of equity and culture for a school here in Atlanta and supporting that school in really looking at how we dismantle systems of oppression and racism through curriculum, through conversation with families, through engagement of young people within that community as well, um, which is really just an extension of the other work that I do as a consultant through Change and Transformation. It's the consulting firm that I was excited to start this year for myself. Um, supporting communities through the space or the lens of education and or community engagement around equity work. And so uh, for many people, the community engagement piece shows up in the work related to gentrification that comes in. And a lot of times those communities that are being dispossessed or moved out, um, certainly not feeling as though there's a space for them to continue to exist in the places that they once dwelled. Um, and then other people who have assumptions about the people they're moving out uh, and the decisions that need to be made for them rather than with them. And so doing some of that work around equity and what that looks like for communities that are experiencing change as well. Um, and so education has also been my background, having been a teacher, and I don't know that you're ever truly a former teacher. I think you always are a teacher. Um, and so just really excited about being able to have uh, a space and time right now that allows for me to live out all of those things um, and all of those ways that I think that God has purposed me to show up in the world and having the opportunity right now to actually do those things has been exciting to kind of sit back and sometimes read my own bio and say, wow, I can't believe <laughs> I've done and I'm doing these things. But when it comes to your next question in terms of how do you tap into that, for me, I think certainly as the, in the arc or the journey that is black womanhood, what I found, found to be the thing that allows me to get there. Uh, and when you talked about speed, uh, if that one recognizing it, that what is it a race and that the only person on the track was me. But the other part was really getting still and find, getting still is the one way that I have found to be true to how I find my greatest truth, my greatest purpose, my greatest meanings, um, my greatest answers to the questions that in motion I'm still stirring about. But when I get still and allow myself to be centered with that thing that I call my God, um, it is the space that allows for me to receive the most humbling truths at, at that, um, that allow me to then be motivated to continue to do other things. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I, um, you know, I told you, I've been looking at how we reframe, which is why I love what you're saying, how we reframe this idea of the strong black woman, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when I think of your podcast, the weight of the cape, and uh, because that's what we're always carrying. It's like, we're always carrying these weight and as black women, we do everything, right? <laughs> We have always worked, we have always taken care of our children, we've always taken care of other people's children, you know, at the same time. Um, and so one of the things that I've been looking at is how we reframe what it means to be strong, mm -hmm. right? Or strength, and even um, we had a conversation today with uh, Bishop Clements and he talked about that. Like we need to redefine what strength really means because it's really defined inside of a masculine paradigm, mm -hmm. right? This idea that I must, do the most, I must carry the most, I must um, carry it the farthest, right? I can handle the most as opposed to what you're saying, right? Is that I'm at my greatest strength when I'm at my mo being most still and mm -hmm. I'm at my most centered pace uh, with your God, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where you find your greatest strength. And that's what it's like, that to me is the reframe that we all have to take on, 
right, of, mm -hmm. of what redefining, like reframing strong inside of a, a feminine, a more feminine um, paradigm that allows us to sit and create space. I would say the, the other part of that for me too is, um, as both of you all know, losing my nephew um, a couple of years ago, um, being killed by police officers, I think one of the things I discovered about myself, and so certainly I hope that listeners understand that this has been a journey. This is not, and that's why I, I was tongue in cheek when I said that the rate of speed that you get there. Um, in the last two years, what I realized and what it cost me in one relationship is I knew how I had learned and allowed myself to become vulnerable with one person that I was in a relationship with. But what I found is that I had no idea how to be completely broken with that person. And so to me, that is what strength is, is realizing when you have absolutely nothing to give and you must rely on someone else um, to support you through that. And so I would just say to, or as a perhaps even a cautionary tale to some of us who are black women, that a lot of times what we have told ourselves because it's what we have had either modeled for us or what people have told us has to be our, our identity is that you're supposed to be able to figure out how to handle it on your own. You are supposed to be able to, in spite of your brokenness, look whole to everybody else. And so I would definitely say, even if you recognize that the world is not yet ready for you to be vulnerable, you have to be able to find that place and where that becomes your refuge when all the pieces can't be held together. You know, when you talk about the weight of Kate, we joke because we said one of us will be tape, the other person is super glue, the other person might be some paste because it is finding that group of people. And I think, you know, this idea um, of how you find those people that become your refuge. I think we also, as women, often feel like the only people who could do that for us has to be people who are opposite gendered. Um, because you think, you know, oh, well, other women are going through this, so I certainly don't want to add to their burden. But what I found is that the women who make up my circle of friends um, have been that person's or those persons for me. And it's, it took me back to years ago on Sex in the City when they talk about soulmates. And that there's this assumption that that has to be someone who you are in a romantic relationship with. But what I have found is that as we continue on this journey and the older that you get and the, re the recognition that you have about how precious souls are, that you then take time to really look for the relationships that you have that edify your soul when your soul is at its weakest space. That is to me what strength actually should look like for us. It is being able to pour out um, and lay naked and bare in any space with those people that you love and trust and know that they will cover you so that those who are not able to recognize your vulnerability won't see that. But at the same time, they're comforting you as they cover you and shield you as well. So that would be what I would say I encourage and hope that other women, especially black women, will begin to understand how we do that better for ourselves. How do we cultivate those spaces, become safe for us to be vulnerable with each other that will not become the thing that if we become angry with each other, it's the one thing that you'll pull up and point out <laughs> later on. Like, you know, and remember when you were such and such, like we don't, we no longer have memory 
of those broken moments because that's not who we are in relationship with each other is where I'm hoping that we get to, which I think leads us to a different way that we show up strong, not only for ourselves, but for each other. Oh, yes. No, I love that because that is the whole reframe, right? That our strength is in when we're connected with God, when we're connected with ourselves and when we're connected with other people, right? That's the place. Those are the places where we find our greatest strength. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, right, that whole archetype that we've been living inside of is turned upside down, right? Because it tells us we have to do it by ourselves. (laughs) Like nobody else can help us that we have to be able to handle it that um, even if it is connected to God, it's not, you know, it's, it's through a different kind of relationship and you're kind of subservient to everything else that's happening. Um, and um, we're doing so much, we never really get deeply connected with ourselves at all, right? We never get connected with who we are as people. Um, Ty, did you want to have? Ask yeah, I think that we also should hold space for the growing number of Black women that do do it by themselves. Um, I remember, and I can't, I wish I, for for accuracy's sake, I wish I could pinpoint the publication. I want to say it was Essence. I was reading an article a couple of months ago where they were talking about the growing number of particularly uh, middle-aged Black women that are are dealing with uh, life, um, you know, dealing with uh, illnesses and, and transition, and they're doing it without community and without family um, because of lack of, for a various number of reasons. And so there is a a quiet, um, I think, type of resilience that has to take place when you are a person that hasn't yet found that community um, because there are there are those women that do exist inside of those spaces. Um, so I think we should just hold space for those women as well. I'm oh. grateful, that, yeah, and I'm grateful that I'm not one of them, <laughs> and, but I, I, I understand uh, what that journey looks like for some, and it is difficult. And you know, and, and thank you for that, Ty. And I, what I would say is that um, what I would encourage women who find themselves in that space or men or whomever in that space, mm-hmm. in the same way that you think about the characteristics that you are looking for in your mates, I think you should be writing those things down and, and taking stock and looking around you and seeing who has some of those characteristics, not seeking someone to have all of them at once, because that's how you build out a network because you recognize I need a piece from this person over here who gives me, they give me humor. This person actually is soothing and calming and I need that. So I would definitely encourage people who find themselves in those spaces that feel alone to begin to call out what are the things that you are looking for or where do you feel spaces that are empty and how do you find people who may be able to support you in filling those spaces and not having expectations that they will fill you to the brim. They may just only take you so far. And so again, they, they at least allow for you then not to be the only one who's trying to fill in those spaces or those cracks that may be left from whatever you may be experienced, whether it's illness, whether it's transition, whatever those things are. But then I would also say give some time to, to take back and, and, and with some level of grace and look at the people who have been around you and ask yourself, have you made room for other people to be in those spaces? And if not, then just do a little bit more research and find out what what is, what keeps you afraid from allowing that to happen. Because that's very real for people too. People have abandonment issues. People have trust issues because people unfortunately have disappointed them along their journey. Mm-hmm. 
And so it is really finding a way to open yourself back up for what is possible and people hopefully being able to step into those spaces, but really being clear on what it is that you're looking for. Because sometimes we make space for people who have no business being there. <laughs> there is a book I just finished listening to called Pleasure Activism yes. by Adrian Marie Brown. Mm. Uh, also author of Emergent Strategy, and she deals a lot with that inside of that space uh, for Black women. And I'm so glad that we entered into this space in this conversation, because as Black women, we're not all monolithic, right? We all have different experiences based on our complexion, based on our, our, our weight, um, and based on our abilities. You know, there are lots of Black women with disabilities um, that I'm, I'm becoming more aware of um, myself and even, you know, inside the trans movement. I mean, just totally really understanding how every person that identifies with this feminine identity, what their experience is like and how vast it is for all of us. And, and to this book, what it did is just bring a, a beautiful light and a beautiful voice um, to and a power to uh, what the the differences for all of these voices, what all of them look like, and the equity across the board for all of them. It is um, I highly recommend, highly recommend. I will check that out. I have a question, Tara, because you mm -hmm. talked about both of you actually um, talked about really really like some capacities and skills to be able to to discern, right? <laughs> what, who we should have in our lives, really doing those things. So how, what do we need to do to cultivate um, and grow and develop ourselves so we can show up in these ways so that we can reach out for support, right? Because we have to cultivate the skill to be able to reach out for, for support. We have to cultivate the skills of discernment to know, you know, who's going to be really supportive of us and who may not be the, you know, who may not be the right person. Um, and it's okay to get it wrong, you know, like we're so, we get scared to fail. Um, so, so say a little about, a, a little bit about how you, um, how we cultivate that in ourselves and grow and develop that. I think it really is trial and error. And it is um, the willingness to possibly get it wrong um, and be okay with that. I, I think, you know, when you think about the journey of your life, I think sometimes we get so afraid that we're wasting time. Um, as, as opposed to being realizing that we've been blessed with time because that's not something that we actually manage or control. And so instead of feeling as though you're wasting time, I always say, what did you learn from the time that you did spend? Even if you found that those persons weren't the right persons or that person wasn't the right person, what did you gain from it? Did you gain a greater sense of yourself? Did you gain a greater understanding of what things you're not willing to compromise as a result of those things? Did you gain um, a, a, just the knowledge, even if it's nothing else that I know that I now have the capacity for loving? That in and of itself is a gift because a lot of people are not even aware that they have the capacity for relationships to exist. Um, I was joking with my 14-year-old nephew this weekend because he was giving me the 10 steps that if you are approaching a young lady at a party, these are the 10 steps. And I joked with him and I said, listen, you better make sure that if she doesn't have any friends, because you want to be clear, if a person can't make a friend, then maybe they can't keep a friend. And so it is also asking yourself, what, how do you show up as a friend? Because a lot of times we talk about what we need from friends, 
but we never consider how are we showing up in our relationships and friendships to people. And to me, if you understand how you show up, then you have an understanding of what you want and how you need other people to show up sometimes in your space. And I don't know that we really are always the best judges of whether or not we're good friends. We, people will say that because we have defined and we assume we know what our friends need from us. We just show up as we are. And some people are just like, well, this is who I am and this is how I am. And so that means that if I'm in your space, then that means I'm telling myself, oh, that this is the kind of friend that you needed. I may be one of those people on somebody else's expiration list. I don't know. And so they may be figuring out that, you know what, this person, Tara is actually not the kind of friend that I needed. And two or three years later, when we're no longer talking, then I may be asking myself, well, I wonder why we stopped being friends. And it could have very well have been that we grew in a different direction. And what we once did for one another was not the same in the way that we showed up for one another and our needs and our desires, all those things could have changed. But I don't have to not still pray for that person as I did when we were in a time when we would talk to each other every day because I do. But at the same time, I just have to ask myself, well, how did I show up as a friend? Have I evolved? Have I changed? Am I better? Am I worse? Are there things I want to change about how I show up for other people so that when they talk about me in, in, in relationship to our friendship, these are the things that they, they would say. Those are the kinds of things I would say. I don't know that we take enough stock into self-reflection and how we are in relationships with other people. And much of our time is spent thinking about how people either failed to show up for us um, as opposed to saying, did I clearly even articulate what I wanted from them? Because, you know, we a lot of times we get to a place where we hope our friends become mind readers because sometimes you can. Sometimes you get to be so close, you can finish each other's sentences. But what you cannot do is replace each other's hearts. And so each of you are going to be beating at a different rhythm. And so each of you at different times is going to need something different from the other person. And so even in the best of friendships or relationships, you will still need to tune in, check in with yourself as to how, who I am showing up and then checking in with that person. Is this still the person that you need? If not, are there things that you want me to do differently? Are there things that I could say differently than I've used to say them because we're different places. Um, for instance, um, like Ty, you talked about people and their abilities. Like many of us have friendships where one of our friends has gone through a health issue and it changes how they function in the world. And so how we used to be in connection with each other may not be how we can still be in connection because my friend may not still be able to physically do the things we used to do together. Does that mean that I leave my friend because they can't? No, I check in with my friend and say, you tell me how do I need to show up now in our friendship because we can't maybe run a mile like we used to? Just let the listeners know that's never been what Tara's done. I've never run a mile with <laughs> I may have run the streets, but I didn't run a mile. But <laughs> it's those you think about what are the things that perhaps changes how we we function and do we need to change as a result of that to still be good friends with other people, to still show up how other people need us to show up. And, yeah. you know, that's another a really great point you bring up, because not only do we need to check in, I think another thing is I, I, I've experienced that myself in friendship, inside of friendships, and been frustrated when I check in and the person's not being authentic with me. Mm -hmm. And I wonder now at this point in life, I wonder, did I create the space for that person to be authentic with me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To feel. 
Yeah, she said a lot, right? Like this whole idea of self-reflection, mm-hmm. growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to grow and learn. Like I'm here to learn something. I'm here to give something with every person. Um, like just being able to cultivate all of that, like being able to look and, and recognize that what we think we're offering might not be exactly <laughs> what we're offering to people. And have we gotten a reflection back? from them because we are we are very externally focused what you haven't done for me this I need this from you as opposed to how I'm showing up that might be creating the dynamic mm-hmm. that this actually that that feels bad for me but I'm actually creating it myself and how I'm showing up and who I'm being with you yes so I, I felt like I just like wanted to if we had a mic we could have just dropped it and it's so much in synergy because I swear it, 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 um, it also brings up another point about the conversation we had earlier today about um, being able to sit and listen without defensiveness mm-hmm. to the other person's feelings when the other, because you can't receive honesty from a person if you get frustrated with their honesty and cut them off. Mm-hmm. That's a betrayal of trust mm-hmm. is what Bishop Kirby with uh, Clements was saying. Yeah. So when a person, we have to understand that when our friends are being honest enough with us to share, you know, those perspectives with us that help us grow, we have to understand that that honesty is a gift and just receive it long enough in silence and just say thank you and process it later, right? We can do that and process it later. Understand that that person is giving us a gift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the other gift that we have to give ourselves is that you are actually blessed to see the evolution of your friends. So a lot of times what we feel like people who have decided is what we tell ourselves. They've decided to cut us off and they've decided to do other things. And the reality is what they did is they were blessed with something else happening in their life. That could be a child that comes along. That could be a marriage that happens. And they got to be given the grace and the time to develop in those spaces that they have now created for themselves. And if we are lucky, we get to stay on that journey with them. But if not, then it's still not something that's horrible. You just get to say, thank you for the blessing of seeing my friend have the things that I know all these years we've talked about she's dreamed of having. And now she has those things. Now, when we talked about it, we never discussed, do you think I'll still be there when you achieve those things? And that's the part that I think sometimes because we don't have the full conversation, we ask our friends to tell us their dreams, but we never ask them, well, do these dreams still have me in them? And at the time, you probably will say yes. But in the reality, we realize that sometimes when we actually have our dreams realized for us, that some of us will still be asleep and still dreaming while the other person is actually living the dream that they've been blessed with. Neither of those things is wrong or horrible. They're just two different things that are happening vastly different from the people who are in that space. And so for me, I look now, and again, I, I to be clear with the listeners, I didn't always um, perform as this good Christian woman they hear before them today. Um, there was, <laughs> this is a journey. Right, right. You had to get to, to re- recognize that, wow, thank you God for allowing me to see that blessing <laughs> happen. Thank you for the reminder that dreams being made real is a real thing and that I can mm-hmm. keep dreaming for myself yes. then because you've blessed me to see that these things can actually happen even if they didn't happen 
with me or for me. I watch them happen for people that I once called my friends, people I do love, people I still pray for that their dreams keep happening. And thank you for the reminders that what you have available to us is still possible. That's, that's how I think we should leave when we find in relationships ending. The thank you God for the blessing of understanding that possibility still exists. Because where you are left is the possibility of making new friends, making new relationships, where they are left with is with the same options and opportunities. Oof. Yeah. 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 I, I feel that. Just be, just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted my, to pull out my Tibetan bowl. Just <laughs> go. Have a moment. <laughs> Oh, that's so gorgeous. Because I and and what I especially love is this idea of um, that you've all that you've been on the journey, right? Like you didn't just jump out <laughs> as this person, right? Like this is a part of your own progression, your own development, who you are as a woman, as a person, as a human in this world, and you've been able to come and and shift your own framing and perspective, right? To see to see the beauty in having loved and cared for someone even if that regardless of what the relationship continues to look like right regardless of what happens that doesn't mean that that's a negative thing if if something ends or if it continues it actually is just a progression of the journey of your life together mm -hmm. right and really stepping into that and and i mean that's 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 really really beautiful and i'm wondering so. if we can go back you said earlier about being really connected to your god Mm -hmm. and how you found find your place there um and so how can we how can we really step into like what role does god the spirituality right universe life or wherever people are in terms of that naming like offer us to be able to access our own power um access the power of something that's greater than who we are to really do what we feel called to do in the world I think it is um, one, the recognition and the acceptance that with everything that you consider to be joyful in your life, there will be an equal amount of pain and sometimes pain that will surpass the joy that you have known. And so what I do not want people to believe is that me having this God does not come without um, question, does not come without uh, absolute heartache because it has come with all of those things. But I do believe that all of those things though was God's lessons in teaching me how to be a truly empathetic person. I remember again, um, back to my nephew, when he was killed shortly thereafter was when they had the nightclub shooting in California. And there was the one father who was describing the moment that he had just learned his son was in the hospital and was one of those who had perished as a result of being shot in that club. And there was a moment where my whole body felt exactly what he had felt because I knew that the guttural cry that was about to emerge, I knew that absolute moment when you feel like you've lost your breath because something that you loved has been taken in a way that you were ill-prepared for even hearing, much less processing, and that your body just is not prepared for what that is. And in that moment, it taught me that again, because this was a white father 
who was experiencing this and what it taught me yet again, not that I hadn't had these lessons before, but in that moment is that God teaches us that we will all go through a level of pain that will be so relatable to another human being. And it is evidence that God is saying, this is how you have to be connected to humanity. Because if you do not understand those moments when the very breath can feel like a living person no longer wants the will to live, if you do not understand that level of pain, you are not, in my assessment, really gonna truly understand and be able to appreciate the absolute joys and highs that another human being has. Because it is in those moments when you need somebody else to remind you of how to breathe, that you really understand the preciousness of life and how fleeting all of this is. And that again, we go back to that understanding that it nothing that God has ever put in front of us, whether you believe it is God, whether you call God by another name, whether you don't have anything that you call it, but you just experience life and that's what you call it, whether it's your universe, whatever name you give it. The reality is if you are in tune with other human beings, then you have the capacity for understanding how do I function and how then do I seek to be able to sometimes, again, I think it goes back to the stillness. How do I get quiet and humble enough to be a vessel of something greater than myself? How do I then step into those spaces and offer support to people in their most vulnerable moments, in those moments when they have absolutely no idea what do I even do next? Because I've been in that space. And it is till, it's not until you are in that space that I believe you truly fully understand how do I need to show up for somebody else? Because I need to know what that is. And that's not to say that you wanna have that pain often. I pray I never have to know that pain again. But I also recognize in the years that have passed that my family was not supposed to be somehow shielded from the pain that I had watched other people go through. I've been doing this service work for years. I've been a protester, I've been all of those things. But in my mind, I never thought it would visit upon me because I said, God, I'm doing this work to be able to be there. But God needed to push me one step further and said, I appreciate that you've been doing this work, but now I need you to understand what this work has been for. And so it gives me a different way that I approach it now than I think I did even before, even though my heart was truly a believer that equity was something all people should have. I have a different understanding around why I want equity to be true. So I don't hide from any person that I work with. And this is both personal and professional for me, why I do this work, because I need for his 14 year old brother to have the fullness of his humanity recognized by any and everybody he comes across and not only be recognized, but to be honored in a way that he has equal access to everything that people tell themselves that they should have. And so for me, I guess it is how, how I continue to kind of get into that space. It is the choice to watch the news and then sometimes turn it off. It is the choice to, to see that other people are going through devastating things, but then be reminded, but even in the midst of devastation, look at how this God that I call on still shows up for people in, in an hour that they probably thought was their worst and their most despair. Um, so, and am I able to show up for people in that way as well? And so that is what I think keeps me reconnecting, but it, it again, it is a process. There are days when I, you know, 
I have to sit still and I have to be reminded, be like, okay, now, Lord, I know you said you had this thing for me to do. And then like, sometimes I say, I know you said there's a calling on my life, but did you dial the right number? Was the, was the line somehow crossed? <laughs> because I can't believe this is what you want me to do. So, and, you know, I, I think that's all a part of the process too. And, and I think I am thankful that so far he's not giving me any signal or she, whatever you refer to your God as. So far, there's not been anything that indicates that there's something wrong with me asking the question. And in fact, it is the process by which I'm getting the answers. Because if I never ask a question, then I'm just kind of going idly by, assuming that everything that happens is as it's supposed to be. And some of these things are not as they're supposed to be. And that is why he then places those questions in your heart and in your mind as to how did this happen? Why would these small children have to suffer in such a horrific way? And some of this is not about what God has intended. Some of this is about our failure to see God in every single human being that is created. And again, independent as to what you call it, or even if you don't believe it is true, there is some energy, if that's what you want to refer to it, there is energy that we should not as human beings have the right to tell ourselves we have the right to extinguish. And so that's part for me is why I keep moving every single day trying to figure out how do I do this work that God has called me to do. Um, have fun while I do it, because I certainly take the work seriously, but as you all both know, and your listeners may soon know, I'm not always serious about this work um, because you know laughter is a part of what keeps my soul in motion. Oh no, I, I love what you're saying. And so, um, and I really think like, just the, the depth and the breadth of what you just shared. Like we can, as we close out, cause I think that is what I want people to hold on to. It's yes. this real space of being able to hold a paradox of pain and joy, right? Like yes. all of those things happen in our humanity and our experience with God. And it's still okay. Like that mm -hmm. God is still present in all of that. So then I'm wondering, um, so if you could, sh if you had a private moment with each of our listeners, listeners, mm -hmm what would you share with them and um yeah what would you share with them and then if you can also share with us how we can stay connected with your work i would share with them to the point of joy and pain i think joy and pain are the ultimate partners they are lifelong partners that walk in unison together they hold one another's hand they hold one another up um but they are things that coexist all the time. They are not battling to be one greater than the other. They seek to be in peaceful union because they recognize one cannot actually exist without the other. And so what I would say to people is in those moments that you are feeling uh, pain or sorrow, just know that joy is in the midst of that as well. And if you reach your hand out, joy will hold your hand through you till you get through those dark places. Joy will guide you back to the light, but just know that even when you are at joy, pain is somewhere right there in the midst as well. And, and it will remind you, I'm still here. Um, and so always be ready for one or the other to show up, but be okay with each of them being there because knowing one will never outlast the other. They seek to be in unison. They do not seek to be separate and apart, one greater than the other. So that would be what I would offer to people. Find the way to balance joy and pain because that is the work that joy and pain often does. It is often, oftentimes in my small assessment, seeking to be um, in, in a, a equal or equitable partnership with one another. 
all at the same time. Beautiful. How they stay in touch with me is the other question you asked. Um, they can follow me certainly. And you know, this is where I also laugh because in all these other things that God has gifted me with, it is certainly not technology. So I hope that I get this right. But they can, we are, uh, my colleagues and I are, my girlfriends and I are on uh, Facebook with The Weight of the Cape. So they certainly can follow us there. We also have Instagram, but we do probably a little more active activity on Weight of the Cape. Thanks to Ty. We also now have a podcast that they can follow us on as well. Um, and Ty, I know we're on Spotify, but we've been blessed to now be picked up on some other channels as well. But certainly Spotify is where I can tell you first and foremost, we are if you want to follow Weight of the Cape there. Um, my books are on Amazon um, for Jordan Trent is the author that I am. Um, the first book for any family that may be out there that is dealing with someone who is living through um, uh, illness and have a small child and figuring out how you do that. The first, very first book I wrote was based on an experience I was having when they discovered a lump in my breast that thankfully turned out not to be cancer. But it was my moment of reflecting on what would be the story that I would leave for my nephews who were much younger at the time that this happened. And so it is, if tomorrow comes and I am gone is the title of my first book. And so it has in it, and the reason why I reference it, it also has in there other things that you can do because we were talking about what happens when people are just not sure because news is so overwhelming. I wanted to be intentional about giving people activities to do to consider whether you were the family or the one supporting a family of things that you might be able to consider. So there are activities at the close of the book as well for families to do together. Um, the second book, uh, all of them are on Amazon just so the people understand how I write. Uh, if it's helpful. Um, the second book is also about looking at a, a family and what happens when a new baby comes into the family and you have a child who now feels invisible. So it's seven times for forgiveness and one for my bestest behavior. And it'll make sense to you if you read the story. Um, and then the final book is again, say you, so you say God sent you and it's about the relationship of God parents and foster grandparents and how do we introduce service to, to young people. Um, there is a journal book that goes along with the very first title that I said, um, that is also there and it's the, if tomorrow comes and I'm gone journal, which gives, um, in this book, just to give a little bit of, of it, uh, in the book, the, the mother is writing, uh, letter, love letters to her daughter because she realizes where her journey and her illness is going. So she's writing these love letters and for families who may be dealing with the same thing, I found writing this journal, I did these um, fictitious or kind of simulated letters, if you would, to start them on. And then they will have pages behind those letters to fill in for their own stories for whoever they wanted to leave this journal for. Um, and so again, when I write, I've tried to think about the perspective of families and how do we support families through processes. And so um, that's how they can find me on Amazon if they're looking for Jordan Trent. And I also have a website, which is um, jordantrent.com. They can find me there as an author. Um, and then you can follow me on Facebook if you like. I'm Tara Gay <laughs> and I do accept friends and I'm on LinkedIn. So if you, you know, if you're looking for someone also to be a consultant for you around equity work, then certainly give me a buzz. I'm also on changeandtransformation.com, which is my consulting. So you understand now why the stillness becomes important <laughs> because it just in all of that. I am constantly in motion, but it is a motion that I am grateful for because I think I am doing what I have been called and purpose to do. And, and it feels more like 
a labor of love than actual chores most days. And But I do reflect and, and realize there are times when I just need to get still to be able to continue to do this work as well. And I certainly appreciate you all for allowing me to be here um, today and kind of rambling on in my musings, as I say. Um, but I hope that it is helpful for any of those listeners who are out there. It certainly is always wonderful to me to be in spaces with phenomenal other women like yourselves. And so I deeply appreciate this opportunity, ladies. Thank you. And thank, thank can I mention you. a couple of more things? So the race round, is it the race round table? Yes. Race round table. And then uh, you can say more about that. And then um, uh, Tara completed a curriculum. It's on YouTube called Talk and Walk, a children's guide to racial justice. She did that with uh, Out of Hand Theater and other theaters within the Atlantic area. Uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, the race round table, I know less about. So if you can just quickly tell us. So the race round table was an effort and I also developed some some activities for folks as well um, for people who families in particular who were trying to figure out how do they begin to have conversations around race and racism with their children and so it is a guide that was developed with myself and dr nicole still what we designed for children ages 5 through 18 and their families to have different activities and experiences with that includes resources and includes maybe movies that give you a point of reference to have discussions and questions and, and functions as a guide for families around that. And then we do also do um, race roundtable conversations via um, our website as well. So you can join, find us on Facebook as well at the race roundtable. Um, and it and raceroundtable.com is the website if you're looking for the guide and or if you just want to figure out the dates that we have upcoming conversations, you can find us there as well. But thank you because I actually almost forgot about that. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> And that is wonderful modeling of what we are talking about today. <laughs> wow, you all are just so wonderful. I, I thank you so much, Tara, for coming today. Thank you for this awesome conversation and these beautiful gems you have left us with today. I just so appreciate you. Yes, I do too. I do too. So we just wish everybody to be at rest. And well, if I could just say one final thing, ladies, and I promise this is the last thing. The one thing I committed to um, after the loss of my nephew is that I would spend the rest of my life either being with people I love or doing things that I love. And thus far, God has blessed me with both things being true at the same time. So if that is of help to anyone, if you can get in a space that you are living your life doing either the things that you love or surrounding yourselves with people that you love, then trust me, it becomes all worthwhile. So thank you all so much. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.